Hey, hi, uh, I am Richard Donner, but you can call me Dick, and you're listening to Superman Movie Minute? Is that right? Did I do it right? Welcome to the first exciting episode of Superman 3 Movie Minutes, the show that scrutinizes, analyzes, and you'll believe a man can flies is 1983's Superman 3, five minutes at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm one of your hosts, Rob Kelly, and joining me on this journey through time and space is... Chris Franklin. Hey, Chris, we're back. It's been a long time since we did Superman Movie Minute Show, and uh, in the, like 15 months, uh, what's happened in the world? Oh, not much. I think it's pretty much exactly the same as we left it, isn't it? I mean, (laughs) (laughs) there has not been, I don't know, a rioting and a global pandemic and a new president. I don't know. We're just somebody, somebody kissed me earlier. Now I just don't remember anything that's happened since we ended the show uh, way back in uh, 2019. But uh, yeah, we're here to talk about Superman 3, everybody. Uh, Chris, I like you a lot. And I think this show will be a repeated example of how much I like you. I think so too, Rob. <laughs> I, I will just say though, I didn't. I didn't really have to coerce you into doing this. It was just kind of like I, I mentioned it, and you're like, "Yeah, I just assumed we'd do Superman 3. and I'm like, "Oh, okay." So yeah, that, yes, that's accurate. <laughs> I, I, you know, if you're going to call yourself Superman Movie Minute, you can't only do like two of the four movies. That's a little much. So we're going to do Superman three. I mean, setting the tone here. I have said on Twitter, and I've said on Facebook, and other places. I don't think this is a good movie. There are there are parts that are cool that I will focus on, but at the same and and but at the same time, it's like I don't you know I don't want this show to be twenty episodes of me being negative. So I'm going to do my best to be positive and, and find the things I like and talk about those. But I also, when there's moments like what's going to happen in this episode, stuff that's not very good, I'm going to be talking about it. But this that's a new world for me because of course the first two movies we covered, you and I love them stem to stern so this is kind of on uncharted territory here in superman movie minute yeah you know i i think i i think we did though we touched on you know in the in the great battle of metropolis and superman mm-hmm. 2 we touched on the lesterisms yeah um of, of of that battle and 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 um lester much like tim burton was let loose in batman returns lester's <laughs> let oh. loose in superman 3 and, uh, you know, and I mean, I, you know, I, I guess in some ways I'm a Superman three. I don't know if I'm an apologist because I will acknowledge that there's aspects of this movie, including <laughs> these five minutes that are, you know, it's like, well, you know, why did they do that? You know, why, mm. why did they go in that direction? And, and overall, I think the overall, you know, well, let's just get it out of the way. Let's put Richard Pryor in a Superman movie. Let's make a, a you know, basically mash a Richard Pryor vehicle into a Superman film. Yeah. Uh, maybe kind of wrongheaded, you know, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, I mean, honestly, just kind of wrongheaded. I mean, I think there, we'll talk about it. There is a precedent for these type of Superman stories. Uh, but do you make a multi-million dollar budgeted movie out of these type of stories? Eh, most people probably wouldn't, but the Salt Kinds and Richard Lester did. So that's the movie we've got. And, and it has 
actually there are some parts of this film that are some of my favorite parts of the Christopher Reeve Superman films. So we'll get to them uh, eventually. <laughs> we will. We will. And then, you know, um, I listened to the, uh, the, the audio commentary that's mm-hmm. on the Blu-ray, which is uh, Alexander Salkine and uh, Pierre Spengler, Star Spengler, Spengler, as uh, Richard Donner liked to call him. Oh, excuse me, our good friend. Dick Donner, like to call him. And, you know, they do a commentary track and it's interesting. And, and it's one of the things that I don't know if you uh, thought this too, was that they, you know, when, when Alexander Salkine talks about that, uh, that the, the decision was made to make, to put Richard Pryor in the movie and that made it a comedy. And I, it sort of was like, well, the, he never gets into the part where it's like, well, why, why was that decision never questioned? You know what right. I mean? It's like they seem like they're just like, well, we're going to get Richard Pryor in the movie because he's a big movie star and he's a comedic figure. So let's make it a comedy. And, it, and at no point does Mr. Salkind ever address the idea that, well, wait a minute, during this process, didn't somebody say, why are we but why are we making it a comedy? Like Richard Pryor is capable of drama. And in fact, there, there's a scene in this five minutes we're going to get into, which to me suggests there was more for Richard Pryor to do than just making it a silly comedy. And Richard Pryor had been in dramatic movies before this. He's in a great movie from the 70s called Blue Collar, where he's very funny in it, but it is a dark movie. So it's mm-hmm. like, he's. I understand you're not going to go super dark on a Superman movie. The idea that it was like, oh, well, we've got Richard Pryor, ergo Superman 3 must now be a comedy. I'm like, why wasn't that ever brought up kind of um and it's it's the same thing and again not to, not to get too far afield right off the bat but it, when you're talking about like the star wars holiday special and they always talk about how like well this was the best that could have been done with a star wars holiday special being done as a comedy variety show and i'm like well okay you can make that argument but no i've heard never anybody ever defend why was Star Wars considered to be a comedy variety special? You know what I mean? Like, why, why, why did somebody not step in and say, wait, why are we doing Star Wars like that? Hold on. <laughs> you know? So to me, it's, it's odd that they would just immediately say, we've got this actor who we know can do a lot and some drama, but now we're just going to make Superman a comedy. And I just don't know why that decision was never questioned, especially when we all know that the, and this is from the commentary track, that this film originally was much more ambitious and yeah. it was going to feature not only Brainiac as the villain, it was also going to feature Mr. Mr. Mix as Pitalik and Supergirl. I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, what an alternate world to live in where that movie exists. That, that would be, that's like a Kurt Swan Superman come to life. Yeah. That movie, that is, that, it makes me sad to think what could have been the fact that we're talking, what, 30 years later, 40 years later, and Brainiac still has not been in a movie yet? Right. Yeah, and it's all because Richard Pryor mentioned he'd like to be in a Superman movie on Johnny Carson. Oh, my God. But, you know, that goes back, if you think about it, though, that goes back, and this is, you know, I don't don't mean to beat up on the Salkinds. The Salkinds, if if it wasn't for the Salkinds, we wouldn't even be here because nobody would have ever got a Superman movie off the ground. They believed in it when nobody did. Exactly. Now, you know, their notion of what to do with the Superman movie, you know, I mean, you know, any history of the Superman movie and and our show where we discussed it and all the documentaries on the first, especially the first film, they, you know, the whole thing we talked about when we did the Power Records on Kojak, that they were going to have Telly Savalas in a cameo, that they Mm -hmm. were, you know, thinking about, well, what if we had Muhammad Ali? He's a Superman fan. What if we had... Robert Redford, what if he had Burt Reynolds? I mean, it was just, 
that type of, I mean, I think the, the Salkines, you know, being more entrepreneurial in their, <laughs> in, the, in, their, in, their, in their filmmaking than auteurs, Richard Pryor is a box office draw. He makes comedies. He wants to be in a Superman movie. And I think, I don't think anybody ever thought about it ever again. I mean, that, that would be my guess. But I'm with you. Why didn't somebody say, oh, wait a minute, why? And we had some comedy bits in the other movies. But this, I mean, I mean, the first five minutes we're getting ready to get into is, I mean, it's a mad, mad, mad metropolis, you know, I oh. mean, basically. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, it's not to denigrate that movie, but, but you know, but it, but it is. It's, it's so that it's, style of humor. That's for sure. It's, yeah, it's that so. style of humor. And it's, you know, we're, we're, yeah. So, yeah, it, that is a good question though. But I, I think it goes back to, you know, they were just, they were really wanting to put butts in seats. You know, they literally thought, hey, let's put Richard Pryor's hot. You know, he wants to be in a Superman movie. People like our Superman movies. And, I, you know, and I think maybe the success they had from one and two, uh, they thought, well, we can't go wrong, you know. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. And and Hollywood really never learns a lesson because, of course, uh, Eddie Murphy was originally scheduled to appear in Star Trek Four, Right. And uh, then that got changed when he decided to do The Golden Child. And that movie uh, went off on its own tangent. And, you know. Star Trek four is one of my all time favorite movies. So it's one of those things. I'm like, thank God we dodged that bullet because, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see a Star Trek movie with Eddie Murphy in it. I love Eddie Murphy. I love Star Trek, but I don't want them together. So thank goodness that, uh, somebody wised up and they decided not to repeat the Superman three mistake by there's, there's, the, comedian. there's the Batman film that was supposedly going to have Bill Murray and Eddie Murphy as That's Batman right. and Robin in yeah. around this time. So, yeah. That I that I kind of wanted to see. To be honest, we didn't really see a Bill Murray. Because you're a huge Bill Murray fan. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Okay. All right. So let's get started. We're of course talking about the first five minutes of Superman three. So it's the very beginning. We've got the opening was the Warner Brothers Shield, and we're going to end at the five minute mark with uh, a bunch of bank robbers making a getaway. Where? How did you rewatch this movie, Chris? Do you have the? Is it the Blu-ray? Do you have it on uh, like uh, iTunes or something? How are you watching it? I've got the I've got the Blu-ray, but I actually watched it. I just watched it on HBO Max, honestly. What I, you know, and uh, and I popped the DVD in to watch it on the the uh, on on the old computer. But actually, I can just log into HBO Max and watch it that way. So I'll probably just do that from now on. But does HBO Max feature the the, the Warner Brothers logo, like the current one? Do they swipe in the new one or they leave the old one on? Yeah, it's the new one. I hate uh, that. I hate that too. Hey, just leave the old one on. Come on, the leave right. the little three pills on there yeah (laughs) or run both run the new one and then the you know so it's a little it's a little silly so anyway that's a we got a minor criticism so we open up uh in metropolis and unemployment office and we get we are immediately introduced to gus gorman is played by richard Pryor, of course now uh, this whole scene where gus is in an unemployment office and we can see that it's crowded and uh the 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 workers are behind these cages and it's the the um the office is filthy. You see, there's all this crud on the floor, and it's obviously a big sort of cattle call. And this opening scene, it's it's so funny, is that this opening scene to me has a lot of kind of pathos to it, and it feels like a drama. In fact, it reminds me um, more than a little of Richard Pryor's previous film, Some Kind of Hero, where he mm. played a Vietnam vet coming back and finding himself sort of uh, – disillusioned about America and finding having no place for himself. By the way, that movie co-starred Margot Kidder. Uh, and that's a, that's a really solid movie. And so the, if you would watch Superman three, you've not, you would not familiar with it at all. I think from this opening scene, I don't know. I feel it. I feel it sets 
kind of a good tone. Um, I would say the actress playing the clerk is a little on the cartoony side. Yeah. Um, like her hair is like Roseanne, Rosanna Dana from Saturday Night Live. And by the way, the actress playing the clerk is named Nancy Roberts. She has some TV credits, miniseries called Lace, Master of the Game. I'm not familiar with too much else that she she did. She didn't have a, she doesn't have a long a long track record on IMDb. But from this opening scene, this seems like a kind of a slightly grittier, more dramatic world that Superman is going to play in. And I I kind of like this opening scene quite a bit. Yeah, and I mean, you know, Pryor injects some humor with the, you know, it's like, you know, he, he, you know, he was robbed and, you know, he didn't lose the package when he was uh, working for the messenger service and that they, you know, they, they stole the television. It was a little teeny weeny Japanese TV, you know, and all that, you know, which was very eighties. And then his whole, you know, when he worked at the fast food joint and he lasts 28 minutes and it's mm-hmm. like, you know, hold the pickle, hold the lift. I mean, he, he does, you know, it, and it's, it's Richard Pryor, you know, and he, of course he's, you know, all he has to do is speak a certain way and he's hilarious, but, but he also, you know, you do, he's got that hang dog look on his face. And I love how the little subtle thing that he's behind that line that says, wait here. And she starts talking to him and he starts to move forward, but then he backs up again until she literally like uses her finger, wags Mm. her finger, like come here, you know, and then he finally walks forward. So, you know, he's like, He's real sheepish about, you know, oh, God, I hope I get it this time. I hope they're going to let me stay on and, and keep getting unemployment. And, and, of course, they reject him. And, I mean, yeah, you really do feel for the guy. So, yeah, this is – it could have been a more – a much more subtle <laughs> comedy aspect in the movie just from this scene. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you, you've got – you've got a lot of sympathy for, for Gus right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, so then after he gets rejected for unemployment, he uh, – he asks someone else in line for a light for a cigarette back when you could smoke inside the office buildings. And uh, he's handed a, a matchbook. And on the outside of the, on the matchbook, there's an ad for being a computer programmer, which in 1983 was certainly a, a magical portal to the future <laughs> that there would be such a thing as a computer programmer. But, but you know, right off the bat, we've got our plot kind of rolling along, which I think is, is very elegant. Yeah. Um, and then we move on to the credits Instead of the wonderful, like sort of that uh, three-dimensional lettering that we saw in Superman 1, Superman 2, and and the John Williams theme, we get some new music here. And the credits are done uh, in sort of that Star Wars style where they are – they're looming in from the bottom of the screen and they're fading off into the sort of the midway point. And we've got the sort of comedic music while the quite attractive Pamela Stevenson – uh, enters the frame. Pamela Stevenson was a comedian. She was on a, a she's a British comedian. She was on the TV show, the not the nine o'clock news. She had one season on Saturday night live the same year as uh, Billy Crystal, Martin Shore, Christopher guest. She was in another film called finders keepers directed by Richard Lester. And here she enters the frame dressed uh, very much like a 1950s kind of gun mall sort of thing. The big, big, uh, balloon of uh, yellow, yellow hair. She's like a polka dot dress, these very high heels. And we get the first credit we get is Christopher Reeve, who for the first time is getting top billing as Superman. Yeah, imagine that. <laughs> he must have been happy about that. He finally he's like, oh, he's not behind Marlon Brando or Gene Hackman. Yeah, I, I didn't know where you were going with that big balloon thing there for a while. Um, Sorry. Uh, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> But I, I will say this, you know, for years I watched the ABC TV version of this because I taped it off TV. I don't know what year it premiered, but I'm assuming, you know, 85, 86, something like that. A few years after, you know, it came out, uh, probably maybe 86, 87 even. 
And what they did, and you can find this on YouTube because I went and found it to make sure I wasn't crazy. They, the credits they rolled probably to expand the movie to like a three hour run Whoa. is that they put the credits over um, a space background, very really? similar to the first two movies. Yeah. And it's, they go, they, they Star Wars crawl style from the bottom up, like you're talking. But the really weird part is, if I rem- now I couldn't find this, so if, listeners, if I'm wrong, correct me. But if I remember right, I do not have my VHS tape. I have Superman <laughs> one and two, believe it or not, but not three. They left the gauzy effect that was over the film when the credits rolled in, but took the credits out. So there's this weird, like it almost looks like you know an episode of Star Trek when they close it, close in on the guest female actress and they put the Vaseline on the. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, wow. it's, it's really weird. So it's like the, the 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 screen just gets fuzzy for no good reason. A few, you know, every few seconds as as Mark McClure's name comes up or Jackie Cooper or whatever, you know. Uh, but the credits aren't there because they already showed them uh, uh, over the space background, and then you get Gus, and then you get Pamela Stevenson. So, um, but you know, we got to wait for the. Uh, the Superman three TV cut to come to Blu-ray, I guess, to get I guess that. Version. So I never, I never heard of that at all. That is weird. I, I am not a fan of these opening credits. The fact that this becomes a whole Rube Goldberg thing where, uh, you know, Jimmy, but we see Mark McClure, you just mentioned it, Jimmy Olsen, he's getting a hot dog and all of a sudden everybody is watching Lorelai again, played by Pamela Stevenson walk by. And it's very, it's a, it's kind of a gloss on the girl can't help it starring Jane Mansfield. Cause that mm-hmm. was the opening in that movie. She that we had this big buxom, uh, you know, tiny waisted, high, long legged woman walking, and every every man around her is knocking himself into knocking himself into a manhole or bumping into things because it's the woman is so vivacious, and that's the whole gist of this opening sequence. And you know, I mean, okay, but is like, is this really the right way to open your Superman movie? Yeah, I mean, this is a Tex Avery cartoon. It's yeah, it's, right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, you need the eye wooga wooga. It's a red hot Riding Hood, you know, yep. basically. Yeah, yeah, it it really is, and it just. I mean, I, I get what they're trying to get because you know, I mean, like uh, you know, the she walks by and 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 you know the the penguins and then the the woman on the skates gets you know knocked yeah, off course by the penguins runs into the phone booth knocks the phone booths over which will come into play later um and, you know and you know i i get that they're showing that okay this is a typical day in metropolis everything goes wrong this is why they need superman but it's this it it really is like okay you know i mean i think this is lester you know you know what people liked about superman too they love that guy on roller skates getting yeah. blown down the road by Zod. Yeah. They love the KFC woman getting blown away yeah, and the guy holding on to the... Here's your change! Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they loved all that stuff. We'll do that again. And it's yeah. like, no, no, that's not the part that people really loved about that whole scene in Superman 2. They love the fight, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no one likes Terrence Stamp as General Zod. What they do like is physical comedy. In your Superman movie, like, oh, well, okay. So um, she walks by. The first, quote-unquote, victim of her uh, her gorgeousness is a man in a cap, and he is played by Gordon Rawlings. And, Chris, I know you're familiar with Mr. Rawlings. You recognize him from, from a, a previous uh, Superman movie? He is the fisherman in the, uh, right. the, the lake when uh, Zod and company land and and walk on water and throws his coffee out yeah that's yep. him <laughs> much like uh, he did much like he did not in superman 2 he gets no lines here 
Uh, he was a British actor, so he obviously probably had a British accent. I mean, I wish they could have dubbed him, but uh, he never gets any lines in, in either film. So he bangs into this lamppost, which knocks over the table full of uh, animatronic penguins, because that's the thing you see on a street in a city, is a table full of animatronic penguins. Um, then a woman comes by on roller skates. She knocks into the hot dog cart that uh, Jimmy Olsen is getting a hot dog from. The hot dog cart smashes into three phone booths, all three of which knock over like they are uh, Lincoln Logs. And, you know, I don't know, everybody. I know that, like, phone booths are not a thing anymore. But if you ever leaned against a phone booth, they're pretty rock solid. I don't think just gently bumping into one would cause a domino effect. Porta potties are more structurally yeah. sound than than these phone booths. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's unfortunate. So okay, so then we get the guy and he's trying to round up his penguins. Jimmy Olsen grabs his hot dog, and then we get finally the title, Superman Three. It's in a horrible so, place. It's in a horrible place. By the way, so so in the 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 the, the version you're talking about, did they play the John Williams music under it? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I don't remember well enough, but I think all the music is there. I mean, you know, okay. they, it's like in, in this part, watching it again, it's like, couldn't they have shown like right then just like a quick shot of Clark Kent just walking out of his apartment? Yeah. So we know we're watching a Superman movie and just like, you know, da, 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 you know, just, yeah. I mean, it's a little brief thing to show, hey, this is a Superman movie. No matter how goofy this is, here's Superman. I mean, I know we're going to get him in a few in a few minutes within this segment, but at the same time, to hear that music and not—I mean, you get the S shield, the metallic S shield, you get Superman three, but it's over a bunch of fallen phone booths. Yeah, I, <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just like what a curious choice uh, here. So, uh, so then uh, then I, I, someone is walking a dog. This little dog escapes. The little dog runs by a blind man and his seeing eye dog. The blind man is an actor named Graham, Graham Stark. Uh, he was in uh, movies like Blind Date, uh, the one with Bruce Willis. He was in every single Pink Panther movie, always playing a different character, though. <laughs> uh, so obviously he was he must have been uh, he, um, Blake Edwards must have thought he was really funny because he was in right. every one. But he's always playing a different part. And the, the seeing eye dog sees the little dog and comes running off. And look, you know, all right, I'm not going to take this too terribly seriously. This is a very silly movie. I probably more than the average person have spent time around seeing eye dogs and seeing eye dogs. I just feel like they need to kind of like speak up for them a little bit. They're very well trained. They don't do that. They don't run away because they are very well trained to keep their owners, keep their, their, their parents, however you want to refer to them safe. So seeing eye dogs, do not just run away at the first sign of a dog. And then to kind of add insult to injury, the blind man, again, played by Graham Stark, makes like Mr. Magoo yeah. and just starts grabbing things because, of course, he's blind, which means he's stupid. Yeah. Uh, it's just uh, this opening sequence. Chris, please help me out here. Well, you know, I was thinking, I'm like, okay, this this does bother me. You know, it, it's like, you know, and it, by 2021 standards, you're literally making fun of somebody being blind. And yeah. it's, yep. it's, it's, it's really is kind of a hard pill to swallow. And then I think, well, you know, I still think all the bits with Gene Hackman in Young Frankenstein are funny. But they give him a character. They give him character, and it is a parody of Bride of Frankenstein. Right. You know. So I mean, it it it, it is a par- You know, it's it's. I mean, you know, we're we're making a parody of the Frankenstein films, and and Gene Hackman injects so much. You know, 
I was going to make espresso, you know, uh, you know, pathos. He, he really brings to he, he does. I mean, he really does. And I mean, you know, a lot of it's like, you know, more Peter Boyle's reaction to him than him actually being blind. Yeah. But yep. it just, you know, it, it's like, I'll say, so, OK, there is a difference. I'm like, you know, I was check, checking my hypocrisy, you know, basically. Uh, but but uh, yeah, you know, it's it, what's really weird, you know, looking this up. I mean, I do think it's, again, kind of wrong headed. But Graham Stark and the Man in the Cap and Pamela Stevenson were all in this in this film called Bloodbath at the House of Death, uh, like a year or so later, that features Vincent Price. And I have barely ever heard of this film. I think I've I've, I've never heard of it. I literally, really, I've never heard of this movie. Yeah, it's it. They're, they're, all their IMDb's. That's where they all intersect again. Uh, wow. And uh, the Rawlings guy and Graham Stark and Pamela Stevenson were all in this film. And the only reason I know it existed before this was um, uh, a great YouTube series, a guy named Larry Underwood, who's a horror host named Dr. Gangrene. He did a filmography on Vincent Price, and he covered every movie he ever did, and that came up. And uh, when the title came up, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. But but it's uh, they're all in that film. So I don't know if they're I don't know if somebody that worked on Superman three was somehow involved in that film or or it was just a coincidence. They're all British actors all in England and. You know, there's only so many British actors, as we know. Right, right? there's like nine, yeah, there's like nine British actors. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay, wow, all right. That's I, I, That's amazing. I literally have never even heard of that movie at all. That's amazing. I don't know huh. if it's any good, but, you know. Well, probably, probably not, you know, <laughs> by the time period, but but we'll, we'll see. So uh, so after that, after the blind man comes stumbling off, uh, we get our hero, finally. Reeb shows up as Clark Kent in his tan suit and his uh, gray cat, and he uh, picks up a... Uh, a wandering flaming uh, penguin puts it out, uh, I guess with his super breath, maybe they don't really mm-hmm. quite get to that, but he feeling puts it out. And then he starts, uh, he gets a newspaper and we see that poor Clark can't win because the newspaper he pulls out is uh, ripped in half. And he just sort of accepts that and moves on. And we get Mark McClure's name. And then we get our kind of uh, what well, we, we did get Richard Pryor, but then we get what I'm sure is going to be both your and my favorite part of this movie, a Netto tool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are going to say a lot of nice things about Annette O'Toole over the course of uh, Superman 3 Movie Minute. We go back to the blind guy wandering around. We go, and then we have the, uh, the, the guy in the cap. He, for some reason, feels the need to rescue the penguin. The blind man knocks the guy in the cap uh, into the manhole cover. The blind man uses his head as a, as a step. Uh, it's all so very, very funny. Uh, we get a close up of the man in the cap, and he does like a like a triple take kind of thing, and then uh, that's it for him. And then we finally get a, our first instance of a little bit of crime in Gotham City, as the five minutes ends with some bank robbers running out of uh, of Century Savings Bank, and one of the robbers doing quite a nice stunt where he is sliding down this embankment uh, instead of running down. It's kind of a, a cool little stunt. Yeah, yeah, and then you would you know, and you if you. You know, you saw Clark Kent, you see a bank robber, you think, oh, Superman's going to take care of those bank robbers. Uh, yeah, not quite. Uh, but no, no. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there later. But <laughs> yeah. I will say one thing I want to bring up was, one, Clark puts, blows the fire out of the penguin. Then he puts it down in the, and sets it down out back toward the street and pats it like, go on your way, little penguin. Yeah. Okay. It's a wind up penguin. Uh, why let it wander off into traffic to one, get smashed and two, maybe cause an accident. And then the whole newspaper thing, Clark puts the coin in the newspaper, uh, vending machine and, 
and he opens it up and rather than grab from the stack, he decides to try to pull the one that's in the front, which I don't know why you do that. Unless right, you're not supposed one. to do. That's the one that's on display so people can see it. Yeah. Right. So he rips it and it's like, and he kind of, and he's whistling and he kind of just tucks it under his arm and walks off. But it's like, just like we, we mentioned last on our previous Superman movie minute shows, who's he putting on this act for? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's like, you know, is he like, okay, when I'm Clark, I'm just this goofy all the time so I don't slip up. You know, I mean, it's like, or is it literally like, you know, I'm always fascinated by how Reeve, and I mean, he totally, I think that's part of him just convincing, being so convincing that Clark and Superman are two separate people because he literally plays them like they're two separate people. And in this movie, they are two separate people. Spoiler warning. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at one point they are uh but but i just think it's fascinating that it's like okay nobody's around there's no lois going clark you know across the street or anything and uh that was kind of pretty good margot kidder yelling not bad. clark yeah, not bad uh, at all. but but <laughs> but uh you know he doesn't like get right hit by a cab in front of everyone or anything he's but he's lit he's literally just on his own you know he, he could he could be just superman in the clark kent suit but no he's full-on into bumbling clark kent you know <laughs> we we do know that christopher reeve really wanted to do comedy like that mm-hmm. he really was dying to do comedy and so maybe he just saw like well here's his opportunity to to really sort of comedy it up again you have to wonder whether he thought realized was this appropriate to do that in a superman movie but maybe he really wanted to show that he could do that kind of thing so we felt like oh, okay you know I'll, I'll do it here he he had definitely had like a light kind of Cary Grant touch when it came to comedy, despite his huge size. He was a big guy. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, but yeah, I just, I mean, I don't mind. I generally don't mind the interjection of comedy in my superhero movies, but to me, it's like, it's gotta be funny. Right. (laughs) It's gotta be, I mean, you know, there's some really great big laughs in a lot of the Marvel movies. And I like that, but here to me, this is just very, very forced. And it's unfortunate that the movie opens with this because it's a, to me, it's, it's a very underwhelming opening. As you said, like you don't get the music, you know, it just says Superman three and just like, that's it. You're like, it just doesn't have that same oomph to it as the same of that, you know, the whole big horns and everything else coming. So it's, it's a very underwhelming way to, to, outside of the Richard Pryor scene, it's a pretty underwhelming uh, way to start your movie. But of course we haven't even gotten to Superman yet. We'll get to that in subsequent episodes. So, you know, there's right now it's all just scene setting. Right. Right. And I mean, I do the Clark bits are fine. I mean, I don't want to, I mean, I, I think it's, it, it fits in with the way Clark's been portrayed in the other movies. And I, but I, I just, I do think it's kind of, it, just, the only reason I brought that up is because we have questioned that, you know, yep. what, how much is the act? What, and, and in this, in this film, we'll have an even, more added dimension to the character of Clark. And I even, you know, um, uh, Ilya Salkind even mentioned uh, that, you know, we've kind of got another, another Clark in this film that we see, um, you know, in his commentary, he mentioned that, which that commentary is really interesting because it's like, it's Spengler and Salkind, but they're not in the same room together. Yeah. It's like intercut. The, obviously they recorded them separately and then spliced it together. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's some kind of contractual thing. They can't be in the same room together anymore. <laughs> but I'm, no, I think they still get along. I mean, as far as I know, they got along fine. But, but, uh, but I, I actually did enjoy that commentary. I, you know, I mean, I, I didn't. It's not. It's not Don or Mikeowitz, but you know, no. it's it's what is. You know, so. right? Yeah, nothing is. Uh, but no, you're. And by the way, I said Alexander Salkine earlier on the commentary. I meant to say Ilya. Uh, Ilya, yeah. Ilya is the son. Ilya's pretty honest. 
which I mm-hmm. like. Like he's pretty upfront about eh, like the, you know later on they get the certain scenes. He's like, yeah, this scene doesn't really work. You know, like he admits it, which is like okay, you know, good yeah. for you. Um, we didn't mention at the top. I should have mentioned this film opened June seventeenth, nineteen eighty three. So it was bang right in the middle of the summer. What a summer for for nerd kids because I mean, <laughs> Return of the Jedi came out in May. And then yeah. this came out in June, and then Octopussy came out, I think, in July. So, I mean, man, you had James Bond, Star Wars, and Superman back to back to back. That's yeah. a, that, I mean, I saw all those movies in the theater, so that must have been a great summer for a little 12-year-old, uh, 12-year-old me. Strangely yeah. enough, Richard Lester had no movies between Superman 2 and 3, even though these films, those, these films are three movies apart, three years apart. Uh, you would have thought that Richard Lester would have, having just, uh, in probably the eyes of some people, you know, saved again, we don't agree with that, but you know, uh, saved Superman two that he would have immediately been awarded some projects or something, but no, he has no credits between these two Superman movies, which is a little strange. Yeah, that is weird. I mean, you think, you know, nowadays, I mean, they, you know, these directors that, you know, they get scooped up if they, they, they're not locked into the next Marvel movie or something, they get scooped up. I mean, look what happened to James Gunn. I mean, he was fired for a few months and Warner Brothers scooped him up before he could get a chance to make Guardians 3, right? So, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's just kind of amazing. I mean, yeah, you, you have directors now getting jobs for having done movies that nobody's even seen yet. Yeah. But, you know, within the studio, within the world of movies, they know, they hear the good word. Oh, this person's really the next big thing. Let's get him on Eternals or something. You know, like that's the way it works. But yeah, Richard Lester didn't, didn't do anything between uh, Superman 2 and 3, which is uh, unusual. So before we get on to uh, this one little final segment, this little uh, thought experiment that we're going to go on. Is there anything else we want to say about the opening of the of this movie <laughs> before we wrap up? I will say that, you know, I did see this movie. Uh, my mom took me to see this movie at the Roz Opera House here in, in lovely Cynthiana, Kentucky. It's still there. Uh, still, well, you know, back when we get back to seeing movies, uh, mm. hopefully it'll still be open. Uh, I can go see a movie there. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, like I mentioned last time, my mom was in love with Christopher Reeve. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> she, she just loved him. So, you know, I was all, I always knew mom would take me to see the Superman movies and dad would take me to see the Star Trek movies. And, uh, so I was good, you know, so, <laughs> good so yeah, we, I remember seeing this and Supergirl, you know, because they were like, you know, one year after the other, That's right. um, in the theater, I didn't see Superman four. It never made it down here. So, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh wow, that's that that says a lot about that movie. Even it if you've sure never does. seen it, yeah. it yeah. didn't make it. A Superman movie did not make it to any every theater that was available. That, yeah, the Transformers the movie made it. To, you know, the year before, but Superman four did not make it to our wow. theater. So holy, okay, yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I, I like I said at the at the outset, I'm going to endeavor to be as sort of positive as possible. And, and there, like I said, there are parts of this movie that I do genuinely like, and, and I will be certainly very complimentary of them, especially Miss Annette O'Toole as we, as we go along. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, this is a very uninspiring opening to Superman movie, but uh, okay. What are you going to do? So, yeah, I, I'll just say, I, you know, again, from my perspective too, guys, you know, if you're listening, you know, we, this is a, this is the, the goofiest part of the movie. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I mean, it, yeah, it really, it, 
It really is. So, I mean, you know, it's... Well, it, Gene Wilder on skis, but we can argue that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah, Richard Pryor on skis, yeah. That, that oh, I'm sorry, yeah, like, yeah, I'm Gene Wilder. Gene, Gene Wilder, Pryor. yeah. It's like, if Gene Wilder was on skis, maybe that would have worked. I don't know. Yeah, maybe uh, so, yeah. I, they, they did so many movies together, I smooshed their names together. He just shows up and it's like, it's like oh, we bad, we bad, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> no, but, but uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, that part is pretty goofy, too. But, you know, we've got more sustained goofiness in this opening part, so... Uh, we will, we won't be like, you know, at least, and I know Rob won't either. And I definitely won't be super negative through the whole thing. Cause there's no point in doing a movie minute show. where We're just going to be negative the whole right, time. Exactly. I mean, right. I, I love doing Superman movie minute. It's a fun show. It's, it's something you and I get to do together and I really enjoy it. And so, yeah, I, I want this to be a fun experiment. It's fun experience for, for me, for you and for everybody listening. And so, yeah, we're going to talk about the, the best parts of this movie. And it's said there are some, Definitely good parts to it. Mm-hmm, um, so okay, but but let's 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 go back in time. Let's turn the Earth backwards a little bit here, Chris, <laughs> and let's imagine that the original conception of Superman three uh, got produced, which was Superman versus Brainiac and Mister Mixes Pitalik, with an appearance by Supergirl. Uh, I mean, man, I, I I would imagine if that movie had been directed by Richard Lester, it probably might not have turned out that well because I think he still would have been hitting up on the comedy. But if maybe they had handed it to somebody else, that might have been an amazing movie because, wow. Um, So let's let's imagine what that world might have been. And Chris and I are going to come up with our dream casting for that version of Superman 3. Now, I, uh, starting with Supergirl, I'm going to just, I think you're going to do, we haven't revealed each other's answers uh, to to, to each other here. Um, I'm guessing, Chris, that you, like me, are just going to say Helen Slater. We're not recasting Supergirl. No, no, she's wonderful. Uh, All right, exactly. The best part of that movie. Absolutely. uh, Yeah, definitely, yeah. Okay, so we both got Helen Slater in as Supergirl, but I am dying to hear what your choices are for Brainiac and Mr. Mix's book. So let's go back and forth. We'll do Brainiac first and then Mixie. So who did you pick to play Brainiac? Okay, I went through and I thought, well, you know, Leonard Nimoy is too obvious, but even even though he would make a great Brainiac. I didn't even think of that at all. I don't think it's obvious at all. It's a great idea. (laughs) <laughs> okay, well, maybe, maybe not. If he like taking Spock to that next level of logic, but then going evil with it, you know, it's like I like, like that a lot, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, and it, and that's that's a good casting, you know. I mean, Nimoy's got the name power, right, to to bring in the, the Star Trek fans, and and you know, but then it's like, okay, if Nimoy's like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm already in one franchise, um, <laughs> you know. And he, he, you know, at that point, he was like, ah, no, I'm dead. It's like, nah, maybe I'm not dead. And I'm going to direct myself back. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so. Uh, I was thinking, okay, maybe a little bit younger, um, Sam Neill, he just done, uh, the, uh, Omen three, you know, and, uh, playing Damien as a adult. And I think he'd be a, a good brainiac. He plays that he, well, he, he kind of was the basis for Maxwell Lord. Right. So, <laughs> yep. know, so, um, and then I thought this, he might be a little too young and didn't have enough under his belt, but, uh, Pierce Brosnan had, um, had, uh, just started Remington steel the year before. And, uh, I just, I think, like, I'd like to see him and Christopher Reeve go at it, you know, just huh. like, like, I think, I think they beg to play off each other really well. So, you know, that, that's, that's your choice is Pierce Brosnan. Yeah. Well, one of those three guys. So. Okay. One of those, th- <laughs> those are all good picks, man. I like all those. I, I think those are all interesting ideas. It would have been amazing to have somebody like as good looking as Pierce Brosnan in the movie. Cause like you got Christopher Reeve too. I mean, that would have been like. <laughs> My mom would have took me twice to yeah, see that. Yeah, your, your mom would have been like, all right, you stay, you stay home this time, Chris. Uh, those are all interesting ideas. I like this a lot. So my pick, 
Um, boy, again, I really like the Leonard Nimoy idea. I don't believe we thought of that at all. Mine, um, I don't know. I mean, you can't get too bogged down in whether this would be realistic or not, because this is a fantasy sequence anyway. But anyway, I'll jump into it. My pick uh, is Ian Holm. I went with Ian Holm. Now, obviously, he played an an android in Alien. Right. Um, Now, I mean, you can say, well, he played an android here. He's playing an android there. Yeah, but the the reason I think about that is until the final, by the way, spoiler alert for Alien, everybody, um, until that final reveal, of Ian Holm as, as, uh, as, as the robot. Um, he's just acting weird. Like he's just a weird dude. Mm-hmm. And he, you don't know that he's not human at all until they reveal that ashes is in fact a robot. But I thought Ian Holm would have brought that same kind of weird, dispassionate kind of feel to Brainiac. I can't imagine he was enough of a name that he would have been in a Superman movie. But it would have, you know, again, this is a fantasy world. So what the hell? So my choice for Brainiac would have been Ian Holm. I think that would have been really cool to see him with that green face paint, just acting all robot and stuff. So that oh, would that have would have been point. cool. That I mean, I love, I love the um, yeah. That's that's a great idea. Plus, I mean, honestly. In the comics, they didn't reveal Brainiac was a android until a computer brain until like years later. So, kind of works, you know. There you go. Perfect. <laughs> Plus, Leonard Nimoy sung about Bilbo Baggins. He was Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> all, all comes together. It all comes back to Superman, as Michael Bailey likes to say. That's right. So, yeah. all right, yeah. So, uh, okay. So, Mister Mixes Pitalik, who would you pick as Mister Mixes Pitalik? You know, supposedly Dudley Moore was considered when they were thinking about this. I can and totally see that. Yeah, I can tell, especially in 19, you know, 83, Dudley Moore, Arthur, you know, everything. He was a big star, yeah. He was a huge star, yeah. So, um, you know, part of me, like, briefly thought, because he kind of looks like Mitch's Pitlick, especially like the second face of the Mego doll, but Harvey Corman, but he was already the great gazoo. That's pretty much <laughs> uh, So I went with Paul Rubens. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> because he had already become Pee Wee Herman. He'd done Pee Wee Herman on a few things. He'd had a special, I think, on HBO at that point. So, yeah, he was. Uh, you know, he could he could play it as Pee Wee or, or do something different with it. You know, basically. So, and you know, he plus he played Batmite on The Brave and the Bold, right? So that's right. He did. That's right. <laughs> that's 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 an insane idea, Chris, and I love it. I would have that that would have been a crazy move that would have been a crazy move to have uh Wee herman play mr mixes Pedelic. oh my god i like that a lot but okay so my pick uh and you'll now see why i accidentally said this name earlier gene wilder Ooh. i went with gene wilder as mixes Pedelic. i think mr mixes Pedelic, he has that kind of uh especially gene wilder in uh, his willy wonka form has that impish but slightly dangerous energy Mm-hmm. slightly threatening but also just weird uh obviously he was friends with richard Pryor, so it would have been kind of funny to have them in a movie together but not playing their sort of traditional parts but uh yeah that i could and of course as willie wonk he's even sort of dressed like miska like a little bit yeah he is pop hat and stuff so that would have been my pick so my superman movie would have been you know christopher reeve ian holm gene wilder and helen slater yours would have been christopher reeve <laughs> Uh, Pierce Brosnan, <laughs> Pee Wee Herman, <laughs> and Helen Slater. Both those movies would have been really interesting, and they would have made a hell of a comic book adaptation when DC finally got around to doing it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they might have forced somebody to make an action figure line from that movie. I mean, maybe. even though we're in between Mego and Superpowers, you know, maybe yep. we would have got 
Brainiac and Mixie in the Superpowers line. Well, we got Brainiac. We got Brainiac, the, and you got Mixie he, from Mego, so we never got both from either line. Right, right. He was the the change into the robot. Well, maybe you know this would have come out the same year that they did the robot Brainiac in the comics, oh, so maybe right. they would have went from the green guy to the to the more you know robot looking Brainiac. So that would we kind of get a little glimpse of what that might have looked like later on in this movie. Yes, we do. Nightmare fuel. Yes. <laughs> 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 we have to build up your, your your resolve to get to that scene, Chris. So, yeah. uh, so uh, well, I think that's going to do it for our first episode of Superman 3 Movie Minute. I mean, I'm excited to finally have this show back. I love talking Superman movies with you, so this is fun. We're going to go on this, uh, this journey through time and space together once again. Yeah, we're going to take that bus ride to Smallville and talk about, you know, how you know, our relatives make their Thanksgiving meals, and, uh, and it's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, do we want to plug everything? I guess we everyone knows where we are, right? We're all over the network. You host Nightcast. You host JLUcast. I do uh, too many other shows. So we, if you want to find us, we're here on the network or at fireandwaterpodcast.com. So um, you can follow the show over on Twitter at Superman Move Men. Uh, all the episodes are on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. And if you want to support the Fine Water Podcast Network, you just go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast, and there you can unlock various rewards, one of which is to be name-checked on a show of your choice. So if you want to support Superman Movie Minute, uh, stop by patreon.com slash fwpodcast. All right, so everybody, so that's going to do it. Uh, Come back next week as the adventure continues with Superman 3 Movie Minute. Giorgio, per favore. E grazie.